welcome again to Making Digital, the show where we talk about product, design, and development, and how they intersect to make digital goodness. My name is Jared Stevens, and I am joined once again by my lovely, lovely co-host, Jeremy Carney. Say hi, Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy, and thanks for calling me lovely, Jared. I really appreciate that. I needed that today. Yeah, yeah. I, I figure you need some sort of positive emotional boost every once in a while, and you know, I'm there for you, man. I I appreciate it. Thank you for joining the show today. Before we jump into our content, I want to remind you to check us out on our website, uh, makingdigitalpodcast.com, and check us out on all of our social media platforms. We're at Making Digital Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we don't have Twitter yet, but maybe one day we'll see. And uh, we'd love to hear from you about anything, podcast ideas, feedback on the ones that we're doing. Member interaction is key. Listener interaction is key to this being a successful podcast. And we can't wait to hear from you. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Yes, we'd love to interact with you on social. You know what I've been thinking about a lot, Jeremy? What's that? Do you remember back when we worked at that startup, like around 2011? We just gotten that that big boost of income from the that big brand new client up in, up in Dallas, I think it was. And I'd been there for two years. I think you'd been there for three years. And honestly, when I joined that startup, I, I joined on a, on, a, on a wing and a prayer a bit. I was excited to move into that industry and I was excited to be, to be a part of that team. But I accepted that role at a little lower of an income than I was comfortable with because I was excited about the opportunity. And then two years later, fast forward, we have all this income coming in and I went to my boss, who at that point was you, and asked for a raise mm. uh, to acknowledge the two years of my blood, sweat, and tears that I had put into this uh, into this product. And then you met with the CFO for a while and came back and offered me a number for a raise. And I gave it to you, right? Yeah, 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 I, yeah I gave you You, what, you what gave you it to me, all right. That's right. Um, <laughs> no, you came back with a number that was much lower than the number that I had in my head. I remember we were at a, um, I think we were at, Chip no, was it California Pizza Kitchen or Chipotle? It was Chipotle, I think. We we're at a, we we're at Chipotle and you and the CFO broke the news to me and I got mad. Now I'm not the person, I'm not the type of person that explodes when they get mad. I just remember sitting there and feeling like my insides were crumbling because what had these, these last two years been about if that was the recognition that I was going to get for my blood, sweat, and tears. And thinking about that, it brought back all these feelings of hatred and, and, and things that I feel towards you. So this is my, this is my like uh, emotional <laughs> reconciliation with you. No, I, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm kidding. I, I bring that up because I think that, professional disappointment is something we all deal with and something that yeah. I don't think gets talked about enough, what it is and how you deal with it. It's a incredibly relevant topic. I don't know that I've met anyone in my life who hasn't dealt with this at some point in time. Mm. And it's, it's an exciting one to, to bring you today just because I, I know it, it will probably strike a chord with a lot of people out there. I remember being hired into a job, into a company. And, and, and honestly, this has happened in multiple companies where I took a role 
on the idea that it would become the job that I wanted it to be. I mm-hmm. came in at a lower level or a lower pay scale and was either told that by a recruiter or a, a boss. And they were like, look, we can't give you what you want now, but don't worry, like work hard enough and you're going to get there. Like, we'll get you there fast. Just This is a formality. Like, let's, let's just get you in the door. And sometimes the need for a job makes you want to say yes right away. Not everyone has the ability to take a step back and look at that and and, and say, okay, no, that's that's not what I want. <clears throat> but I, 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 on many times, have accepted jobs on the hope that it would become what I want it to, not as it being the job that I thought it actually was. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really good point. I've done the exact same thing myself. One of the pieces of advice that I've heard that I've taken to heart, at least in the last couple of uh, rounds of interviews and hiring that I've been through, is that you are never more powerful than you are before you take the job. Yeah. That is the time to ask questions. That is the time to just be blunt and just raise red flags or ask questions about red flags and don't worry about the consequences because if it's the wrong fit, it's the wrong fit. That's a great point. I, in my, as I've gotten more gray hair and, uh, you know, gone through more and more jobs and, and more and more interviews, I've realized that if you sense a red flag in the interview, you should ask a question about Mm -hmm. that red flag. You should sort that out before you take the job. If you have something that you're passionate about, that you really want that job to be or that job to include, and you're assuming that that job is going to have that thing or be that thing, you should ask about that in the interview. Uh, Mm -hmm. you, You should get those questions out of the way because if you don't, you have to be willing to live with that until you can find your next job. And that's yep. not always a fast thing. That that can take years. No one likes to bounce immediately after they find a job. If you don't sort those things out in your interview, you might be living with that job for a while. Right. And then you have the other case where I was talking to a friend of mine today who took a new job about a year ago and was very excited to go there. He knew the leader that he was going to be working for, had worked for them at a previous company, and they stepped into the job, and it wasn't anything like what they thought the job was going to be. He doesn't think that they lied to him. They weren't trying to be deceptive about it. At the end of the day, though, his expectations of the job and their expectations of the job just weren't aligned. And now he's a year in, And he feels devoted to this leader that he's worked for before, but he's not happy at the job that he's at. And he's trying to deal with the ramifications of that. How do you, you know, how do you balance a situation like that? It's professional disappointment. It's yeah, absolutely. It's something that we all deal with. And I think learning how to deal with it uh, is key to being able to one, look out for it when you're looking for new jobs but also get rid of some anxiety in the current position that you find yourself in. Mm. And then that begs the question, how do you deal with it? My first piece of advice, generally, when you're in that situation and you are receiving that disappointing news, like the raise that you've been promised isn't nearly as much as you thought it was going to be, 
or it's non-existent completely. When you're in that moment, do not overreact. I would almost go so far as to say, do not react. Mm. Say, thank you and extricate yourself from that situation so you have time to digest the information, the disappointment, the ramifications, and you don't make a shooting from the hip decision that could impact both you and the people that you work with. Yeah, I I love that point. It's something that I tell people all the time when I'm talking to them about their frustration in their current position is you have a job right now, which puts you in a position of power. Um, going back to what we said earlier, when, you know, sometimes we say yes to jobs just because we need one. If you are frustrated with something and you make a rash decision and you decide to leave or decide to say something that could put your job in jeopardy, uh, you're also making your job search a lot harder. And, and, and you're also cutting off the potential for thinking about how to make your current job better. Mm. Yeah. So what do you do? Along the same veins of overreacting, because my my immediate gut, you know, uh, direction sometimes is to overreact. I don't overreact. I try not to overreact to the people that I work for. I use a sounding board. Actually, mm. Jared, you're that sounding board for me a lot of times. There are things that I want to say. There are thoughts that I want to get off my chest that that probably shouldn't go straight to my leadership. Maybe some form of that thought down the road will. But the initial gut thought should not be directly said to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Typically, I'll send Jared a text or I'll say, like, this is what I want to say. And then he'll say, well, don't. (laughs) And then he'll say, you know, some some form of, you know, wise advice. And and I'll I'll take a step back and I'll have thought about it. And I got it off my chest, which is step one, just to, to get it out there and not keep it turning inside of you. And then step two is. To, to be able to have some time to sit with that message and go, what are you really trying to say? Because sometimes the gut reaction isn't the root cause. You're not solving to the root cause. You're, right. you're reacting to a symptom. And if you take a little bit more time to sit with that, you can not react to a symptom. You could actually react to the cause and then come at it from a position when you do go talk to your leadership or whoever it is, you come at it, come at it from a cool, calm, collected position where you've thought through it and you've got a, some some backing to what you to the point you want to make. If you do immediately react and pop back to whoever you're talking to, they're going to come back at you. And if you haven't thought through that argument, it puts you in a not so great position. Yep. It brings to mind the whole sounding board discussion brings to mind a situation that happened. It was one of the most stressful evenings of my professional life. My boss had come and said or sent an email to some of my business partners about a particularly polarizing subject. And that business partner, instead of responding to my boss, went to my engineering partner to come to me and said, you need to get your boss to retract this or else. And there was a lot connected to that or else. And all of a sudden I'm caught in the middle of this political mess between 
my boss, who I am beholden to, and this high up business partner who I am beholden to. And I have to decide which one I'm beholden to most. Mm, that's a tough situation. My first instinct that evening was to call you. And you basically coached me through like six hours of writing this super intense email. And I was able to, by thinking through this situation, instead of just exploding or escalating or doing something, I was able to find the right path through that solved the problem, the underlying problem, you know, not these superfluous bad instincts that these others were having. I, I just want to add one point to that that came to me while we're while we're sitting here talking is that the sounding board that you use should be someone who can help you think through it and not someone who can wind you up more. And I think Jared and I have given you a couple of good examples of how we both can be reactive. It, I think that's a very natural thing. But when we use each other as a sounding board, you know, I don't find Jared turning around and going, yeah, 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 go tell, go tell them everything that you're thinking. That's exactly right. He, he, he's a trusted partner who can walk me through making a good decision. If you find out your sounding boards are pushing you in the opposite direction, it might be a good time to look at alternative sounding boards. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. The final thing I would say because this is a short that we're recording. This is not, I guess, a full episode, <laughs> although we've been talking for a while. You have to find a way in these situations to be true to yourself and who you are. The last thing that you should do is to cover over what you need or who you are or your personality or the things that you want for your career simply because you need a job. That is not what yeah. we are advocating. However, you have to be sure you're securing your future too. It is possible mm. for those two things to be at odds. And we highly recommend finding a way to be true to yourself while securing your future. And securing your future may not involve staying in that situation. There's a lot of situations where you shouldn't stay in that situation. You have to find that balance. That, my friends is our short episode for today. We hope you found it at least somewhat insightful. We're five episodes in now, and we are hoping that you are finding some great insight in our podcast. We're certainly enjoying doing it. And if you are finding some insight or finding something helpful, could we ask a favor of you? Could you go into iTunes or Spotify or the Google Play Store and leave us a rating or, or review, it would mean the world to us. If you're finding anything helpful, do that one little thing for us. And, you know, we're even. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cheesy. But until next time, my name is Jared Stevens. And I am Jeremy Carney. And together we are Making, Making Digital. digital. views and ideas expressed on this podcast are our own and do not represent those of any previous, present, or future employers. Or spouses. Or family. Peace out. <laughs>